the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? Nick Calgary Mitros, host of the Paper Trails Podcast. We are back with episode 11 of season two of our podcast. We are super excited to have um, Lewis Donald. So almost his restaurant's called Sweet Lou's. I almost called you Sweet Lou's. <laughs> hey, that's what most people call me. So, but uh, super pumped to have Lewis on today. We are at his restaurant, uh, Sweet Lou's. Just uh, consider Noda. Uh, this is Belmont neighborhood. Belmont, okay. So just down the road, and so um, very excited to have him on the podcast. Talk about um, smoking, barbecue, sauces, um, and your your journey. Right. Yeah, I mean, we had a, and cooking and you know the kitchen grind. Yeah, we we had a great conversation uh, just a handful of days ago. You know, we were introduced, you know, through Erin. Uh, you know, she's she's over here. Holler, uh, shout out to Erin. Yeah. And so um, let's meet CLT. Woo! So there we go. Um, nice, nice little plug there. I like that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, super excited to just talk talk a little business. Talk a little bit about the restaurant industry. I grew up in the, in the restaurant business. My dad owns restaurants. Um, obviously running a paper company, being a distributor, a vendor of restaurants. And so, you know, I love, I love talking this. I mean, we, I mean, we probably could have had a conversation for another hour on the phone. Easily. I was, I was on the road traveling and I was like, you know what, let me you know, call Lewis and say what's up. And, um, and so, um, you know, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and maybe give us a little context, you know, as far as sure. maybe your, your beginnings and, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll take it step by step, but how. How did you get to owning a restaurant in the Belmont neighborhood? How, how did this happen? All right, so uh, I am the owner operator. I, I do work, uh, we're open six days a week now, so I'm working seven. Um, and I think, you know, I'm just gonna capture that Belmont, why Belmont? Okay. And, Cause that's what's important to me is okay. why we're in Belmont. Yeah. So we're in between Plaza Midwood and Noda and Optimus Park now, Villa Heights, right? So we're that neighborhood that's not been developed quite as much. Okay which is important because barbecue is all about community. It's all about family, it's all about friends, it's all about coming together over, over cooked meats, That's right? That's good, yep. So for us, this is still a neighborhood. You know, we've, we back up, we're neighbored by houses, we have a church next to us. Um, it's not very busy street frontage and sure. you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we've got generations of families that live here. We've got school bus stops here, which is important to me. The kids coming off the bus, they know us, we see them, we talk to them. Um, so it really reminded me more of a neighborhood. I love that. Instead of just opening a business in other parts of the city and just, you know, just another sign on the building. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and we are, for people that are listening or catching this on Spotify or Apple Pie, we are in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yep. So it's a, it's a neighborhood right outside of Uptown. Um, now, are you from Charlotte? No. Lewis? I, I knew that answer. Is that, that was a little setup. That, that was a little setup. Um, give us where are you from? How I'm from you? Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, so I grew up there. I left there, uh, and then traveled around. I went from Cleveland to LA, LA to Hawaii, back down to Tennessee. Uh, now, was that to, childhood or adulthood you were traveling? Adulthood. Okay. It's 17. Okay. To 19 to 20. What took you to LA? How, how did that happen? So Cleveland, LA. Yeah. How did that happen? Following love, buddy. Nice. I love it. I and love it. And then followed to Hawaii. Okay. And then figured out that I didn't know what love was because I was only 19. <laughs> um, so then I had the time of my life for another two years and go. then moved to 
uh, Tennessee. Now, were you working in restaurants the whole time? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, now, I did work, when I was in Hawaii, I did work at Home Depot. Okay. Which was great experience too, but always had a part-time job in the kitchens. What, I mean, real fast, anything that you learn from like just working in restaurants in different regions? Anything like, you know, Cleveland to LA to, I mean, is, I mean, cause these are totally different. Yeah, I learned dim- Spanish. Okay. <laughs> it was great. I mean, honestly, I'm dead okay. serious. When I went from Cleveland, Ohio, Working in kitchens to LA, I learned kitchen Spanish. You know, okay. it's not like I'm very fluent. I got or you. No, I get it. But enough to get around the kitchen. Sure. Okay. So yeah, that made a big difference. I love that. All right, and then you made your way back from Hawaii. Yeah, I went to <coughs> Tennessee, and then from there I went up to or down to Georgia and worked. Started working in country clubs, did an apprenticeship down there in Buckhead. Okay. And then went to West Virginia, and did an apprenticeship at the Greenbrier, and then came down here in 2008. Now was were the country clubs the first kind of taste of maybe like a little fine dining or yes. you know was that okay now what was that like going from just you know line cooking kitchens helping out prepping doing that whole deal and that's kind of my dad's restaurant style yeah um because it's 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 a, it's a different ball of wax it's it's totally different Every, everything's different so what did you learn from maybe kind of the the traditional maybe restaurants to maybe country clubs fine dining i mean the Greenbrier, I mean, I've never been, but the Greenbrier is, you know, swanky. I mean, oh, it yeah. is. It is. No know, budgets. It's uh, coats every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for people that don't know, I mean, you know, I'll also throw up a picture if we got one. But, uh, no, you know, what, I mean, yeah, so, so what was that transition like? What did you learn going from one style to the other? Uh, I mean, I, I think I totally changed as a cook, as an employee, as a worker, as a, you know what I mean? Uh, you go from, um, you know, a lot of the places I worked were mostly Italian. Okay. Um, and we did a lot of from scratch. But if we were making lasagna when I was 18 years old in an Italian place, we were just, you know, box noodles and sure. cooking them. Sure, yeah. Not at the Greenbrier. Yeah. Not at country clubs. If you were making lasagna, you are making the pasta. You know what I mean? So it was just a deeper, deeper, deeper uh, into the ingredients and you know, the preparation and all that kind of stuff. I love that. And just becoming a better cook and employee. I love that. That's awesome. So apprenticeships. Yep. You know, now now here's here's something good. If if there's somebody listening um, that would like to get into the restaurant industry, would you suggest getting 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 apprenticeships? Would you suggest starting out? I mean what 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 you know, I mean I guess coming from both sides now, what are what are some suggestions? I definitely suggest apprenticeships over culinary school. Gotcha. I got okay. paid in apprenticeships. I didn't pay to be there. I mean, listen, you know, I've, I've uh, interviewed a lot of different chefs that have been at different schools and the amount of money that these, you know, from, from I haven't been, but from what, what they tell me, the amount of money that they're paying nowadays, you know, we just, we just talked to chef Chris Coleman and he went to CP and he's yeah. like, man, he's like, I recommend CP, you know, yeah, he, it's a great Charlotte. Yeah. He's like, you're paying a fraction of what you would pay if you went to um, another, you know, high-end institution. But um, sure. I but mean, anyway. Well, I think. All right. So let's talk about that if you want to talk about that for a minute. Here's the thing: apprenticeships are hard to come by. Yeah. A true apprenticeship. Sure. I think right now you've got the Greenbrier in West Virginia. You've got the Broadmoor out in uh, Colorado. Yeah. You've got uh, in Nashville. There's a resort there. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But you know, when you talk about apprenticeships in the Greenbrier. 
I think they just graduated their 66th class back in January. There's been only 356 graduates. Wow. So that's an apprenticeship. Going and working somewhere and just working six days a week, 14 hours a day, yeah. is not necessarily an apprenticeship. I mean, and getting paid peanuts. 100%. You I know what I mean? Depending on the owner, depending on who's main, you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. a lot of variables there, but for the most part, you're right. It's just, That's, it's I a mean, job, a difference. you're an employee, Yeah. do a job, don't say anything. You know? I think, and but to clarify, I think apprenticeships, they give you the, you know, the Greenbrier where I did mine, and even the uh, Cherokee Town and Country Club. You know, we had five different restaurants. We had banquets. Wow. We had, you know, two facilities that were nine miles apart. So we got different exposures. Sure. You don't get, I never went to culinary school, but you don't get real life, real life scenarios yeah. in culinary school where you have customer situations, you have this, you have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get that. Yeah. Um, unless you're in an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. So great, great suggestion, you know, great, um, input and so all right so you started there yeah country clubs greenbrier you're learning you know how, how did how do you even get into an apprenticeship like that you supply as an application uh so at cherokee i did an apprenticeship two-year apprenticeship under a chef there that uh i got in by word uh word of mouth for okay. the guy i was working for in tennessee so it was more referral there that was a referral and then when i was there uh i learned about the greenbrier and what it was and all these things and you know the apprenticeship program and I was only, what year was it? I was like 22, 23 maybe. Uh -huh. um, and I got a referral from there to, get, to go up and, and stage and do like a working interview. And you know, they made me trim tenderloins, cook risotto, sear fish, do all these things. And, you know, and then they kind of all talked about it at the end of it. And they're like, yeah, it's okay. You can come back and work. Cool. All right, so it's more referral based it sounds yeah. like. So you gotta be recommended, someone's gotta, you know. That's cool, I like that. Um, all right, so how does, uh, how does that transition into, so your apprentice, you're learning, right? And then you end up in Charlotte? Yeah, so I mean, basically at the end of your Greenbrier uh, apprenticeship, you're, the tools you're given to succeed, uh, you're given the tools to run kitchens, you're given the tools to manage people, you're That's given awesome. the tools to, um, put on banquets for 900 people. You're given the wow. tools to cook, you know, uh, plated dinners for, you know, um, gold service is what they call it up there. And that's the highest level of service. Okay. Uh, you know, so 11 to 18 touches per plate and this and that, you know, for 500 people, you know, you're given all those tools to organize and manage, and, wow. you know, timelines and uh, cleanliness and whatever. Um, so I got a job, word of mouth again, uh, at Charlotte Country Club. Okay. Uh, back in 08 when they were doing their major renovation before their 100 year anniversary. Okay. Um, and I was the executive sous chef there. Okay. And we went through two renovations and then the 2010 Women's Amateur Open they had. Was that your first, uh, that was your first job after your After my apprenticeship. So what was that like? Actually putting into practice, executing all the stuff? I mean, was it smooth transition? Was there, was there still? No. Was there still, like, you know, tell us, You're tell us, Lewis, you know, how, how was, I mean, um, what was the experience like, you know? It was well, who all is going to hear this? Big, uh, uh, I don't know. The, I've, I've changed a lot. The world. They would not have called me Sweet Lou at Charlotte Country Club, <laughs> I promise you that. Um, hey, we're all growing and changing, okay? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, 
and that was 12 years ago now. Um, you know, you get, going from the Greenbrier, which, you know, to me is always gonna be the highest level of anything in the world, um, only because of the way they do it, how they do it, for how many people they do it at night, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and to go to a smaller environment and learn about budgets and learn about uh, members and what they want and you know you have to do what they want point. to yeah. a degree yeah, yeah. Um, you got to learn to put the ego aside um, managing people that aren't always there for the same reason you are mm. um, you know for some people this is just a job for some people this is a career, career. for yeah. some people this is a li livelihood for some you know yeah 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 and it's it all point. it's all different right um, I made some good relationships with Charlotte Country Club, still have some to this day, uh, but for the most part, I, I would say my ego was humbled, if you will. You know, just in the change. And, sure. You know. Um, Which, I mean, listen, that that can be a very, uh, I, mean, I mean, thanks for sharing that, because like, you know, that, that can be a very sensitive topic, but um, you know what, I mean. I know. wouldn't have said that 13 years ago. I fought it. I fought every day. Sure. You know, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great conversation piece. And, you know, maybe there's some people listening that maybe are in that position and need to understand, listen, you know, we all have different perspectives. We all have different, you know, and maybe we're good at this one thing and it's good to have a healthy ego in this lane, but maybe there's seven other lanes we, that we don't know about. And, yeah. And, and like, we can learn from other people and, Absolutely. you know, eat some of that humble pie and be like, all right, listen, you know, maybe I don't, but, um, or a couple or, <laughs> So, no, I mean, it was good. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, it was all positive at the end sure, of the day, sure. you know, between relationships and how I grew as a person and as 100%. a leader. Uh, I think leadership is different than management, obviously. <clears throat> um, and and I think that had I not gone through that, because I, I mean, I was only 28, 29 years sure. old, you know, so I still had a lot to learn anyway. 100%. Um, I don't think that I would have what I have now in terms of, you know, we've been open two and a half years and most of my staff has been with me since day one. It's awesome. And it's a small staff, so. It's awesome, I love that. Okay, so Charlotte Country Club. Yep. And then from uh, there, how Carmel does... Country Club. Okay. And then uh, and then I got out of the industry for a little while. Now Carmel, there's only one thing to say about Carmel. <laughs> okay. If you know Carmel Country Club. <laughs> I it's, don't, but It's a ahead. blast. Okay. Oh my gosh. Huge property, great membership, okay. very fun. Um, and always pushing the envelope to do more and more, and it's very family oriented. Wow! So shout out to Car Carmel Country. Yeah, Club. Carmel's great. Great experience at Carmel. Okay. Um, but I got burned out, just like everybody else. Um, so I went and uh, started working for Inland Seafood, selling fish. Okay. What was that like? So you're that, that, That's on. That's on my side. That, that's you know, now. You're a vendor. I was. I was a so, salesman. Okay, so what, I mean, what was that like, just seeing the other side of the fence, now supplying restaurants, supplying businesses, rather great. than actually operating? It was great. The experience I gained, everything I do, positive or negative, I always try and get the experience out of it 100%. until I can just drain it all and figure it all out. Sure. Um, which is why I'm now not that guy when you call me and tell me you got shorted, like I don't cuss you out. You know, like I understand things happen. Um, we wish you were, all of our customers were like, <laughs> I mean, it, it did. It I'm happens. kidding. We have great customers. <laughs> I can't, can't. Um, 
But no, it taught me a lot, especially working with fish as compared to like dry goods or something, no offense, but yeah. you know. Um, yeah, our stuff's boring. Well, you would expect if you call up and you order a case of pasta, I mean, there should be like 100,000 cases somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but when you call and you're ordering fresh fish, it's a major difference. Um, That's a good it, point, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you know, cause you think you got a thousand pounds of whole halibut. Well, depending on who's cutting it, how much it yields, you know, the weights are all gonna be different. Yeah. So you might have sold 500 pounds of <clears throat> filet, but you only yielded 400. So now you're 100 pounds short yeah. to people that don't know until the truck gets there. Um, so customer service and just learning how the manufacturing side of it all works, margins, all those types of things, and still have great relationships with all those guys today. That's awesome. Um, actually, I need to text them and get my order in for tomorrow. Nice. Um, but it was great. It was a good experience. I did it for one full calendar year. Okay. Day to day, 365. No kidding, on the day. That's all I could do, man. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't sit at a desk. <laughs> Lewis is an operator, man. He, he wants I to be in the kitchen. Did. That's it. I just couldn't. I couldn't sit at a desk. I couldn't, um, I had a hard time adjusting lifestyle. And I've had this conversation with many people that have worked for me since. You know, you think it's great, you think it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Weekends off, no nights, no holidays, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But man, when you really try and adjust your life, if you've been doing it for a while, sure. It's it's hard. Yeah. You know, you almost get lost out there. Like, oh, it's Saturday. I should be getting my, you know. <laughs> Where's my apron? I, I need to yeah, get dude, I gotta get to the cutting board. I gotta get this done. Where's my prep list? No, oh, mow the lawn? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, not into it. That's not me. No, it just, it I wasn't like fulfilling. I like that, I like that. Well, I mean, listen, it, I, I think that shows a lot about what you love to do and why you're, because, I mean, we said this off, off camera, but, you know, uh, to be in our industry, you know, um, you have to like you have to have a heart for it you have to want to serve you have to love to make food and and uh, make people happy with with your dishes because it's way too stressful just for you know what i mean like if you don't nobody's in it for the money yeah i mean just just to do it like you're not you know yeah i mean it's not you know there are those people that are um that are in it as a job but they're the, also the ones that go from job to job to job you know um, That's a good point. I think the ones that are in it for a career or for the passion, you know, we always talked about and used the term career servers because there are career servers yeah. that, you know, take a passion in their job and learning new things and learning the wines and learning all the dishes and all those types of things because that's what it takes for them to do their job better and better and yeah. better every day. The ones that still iron their uniforms, you know, yeah. you don't see that anymore. Fine dining's kind of falling off the wayside. Um, but those were people that are passionate about their job. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right. So after seafood uh, vendorship, no, I headed uh... right back in the kitchen. Okay. Where at? Uh, Reed's Fine Foods. Okay. Uh, so they had their one operation on Selwyn Avenue. Okay. They were expanding to the South Park location. Okay. And in that, they owned um, a warehouse that would provide and produce. 75 to 100 fresh and frozen items for their stores under their own private label. Okay. So all that encompassing was what I was basically in charge of. How was that? For the, for the food, for yeah. like the deli, catering. Okay. I didn't do the butcher shop, I didn't do any of that. Um, it was good, it was a challenge. Um, it was a family owned company, so that was always different. Um, working with they're, budgets. They're local? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Reed's has been here since 1920. 
so been around 100 years, 101 years. Yeah, they've been wow. around, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with Charlotte, 7th Street Market. Yep. I think we talked about we it. We did, we did. Yeah, so 7th Street Market was actually originally built in 2000 as Reed's Fine Foods. Okay. The whole thing was the grocery store. Uh, so it's like a grocery store feel, right? Correct. Back then. Yes. Now, uh, it's under new ownership since 2010. Okay. Maybe 11. Um, and the guy that owns it now is more of a fine food store, competed heavily with Dean and DeLuca. Gotcha. Um, caviar and bananas out of uh, Charleston, you know, some stuff like that. Gotcha. And turned it into more fine foods, a lot of private label stuff. Nice. Put restaurants in. Um, so it, it it's evolved, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you will. So how was that stint? You enjoyed that? Was that, was, I mean, that was different, obviously. Yeah, it was very different. Uh, you know, the operation was seven days a week, um, you know, and just learning, again, margins, budgets, um, you know, packaging, manufacturing, that kind of stuff. I mean, it was good. Um, it's helped me today yeah. in a lot of ways. Sure. For sure. Um, I mean, we have great packaging right here. Just a little shout out. See, not bad, right? Yeah. I, I'm impressed. I like it. So we yeah. got some sweet loose sauces that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, I just want—I need to put a little plug in for the sauces. Appreciate so. it. But uh, so you were, there, you were there, and then how did, uh, did you transition back in the kitchen? How did uh, how did it go after Reeds? So after Reeds, is sweet loose. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I didn't. I didn't. Under, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So while I was at Reeds. Um, we, I uh, partnered with somebody. Okay. And now, did you have an inkling that you wanted a restaurant? Like, how had like, was it like, okay, I've been here for a little while, but I want to get back in the kitchen? How, how did the whole concept of Sweet Lucy? Well, Reed's, about? I was in the kitchen. Okay. I ran. You know, we had a deli. We had full kitchen. Okay. So you were already you were there. Oh, I was back in the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what happened was, you know, over time, over my. Uh, less ego, maturity, learning, hard knocks, whatever. I went from wanting that next five-star restaurant tasting menu to, oh, I just want to feed the masses, to, oh, I just want to work every day in a t-shirt and shorts to barbecue shop. Now, have you done barbecue before? As a profession? Yeah, I mean, like, have you, have you done barbecue? Mm -hmm. So it was new, new to you? No, yes and no. So at the Greenbrier, believe it or not, um, barbecue is huge at the Greenbrier. I would not have expected that. Yeah. Uh, we actually have, they have a barbecue chef and they have somebody in a team okay. um, that carries out all the barbecues. There's, you know, Greenbrier is a huge 6,500 acres or whatever. So they have a bunch of different venues on the property and okay. the barbecue is huge. And the guy that ran the barbecue team while I was there, uh -huh. um, Ken Hess, County Smoke, Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, small plug. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> I love doing that, by the way. Yeah, just he's uh, well, I, that's the first time I looked at the camera. I'm just, I'm such an extrovert. If any way I can, like, hey, yeah, yeah. hey, dude, he's, he's my boy. If you can that's get awesome. him on the scroll somewhere. Um, so Ken Hess, uh, when we, when I lived in White Sulphur Springs, I had a house, and then two doors around the corner was Ken Hess. That's okay. that's the guy's name. Okay, and he was Uncle Ken to my kids. Okay. Uh, but he had a trailer smoker and he did a lot of competitions. Wow. Um, and we actually, I don't know, you, you know who Steven Reichlin is? Mm. He's a barbecue guru guy. Okay. Well, he had like a PBS film special. Okay. And every year he would come to the Greenbrier and they filmed it there. Nice. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ken Hess was the barbecue guy. 
And before he left and before I left, he actually had big guys come in, Chris Lilly out of Big Bob Gibson's Dr. Barbecue and somebody else and started doing this four-day barbecue series for country club chefs. Nice. So that's how I got into barbecue in terms of, you know, and it was a little bit different, more fancy up there, but we did serve brisket and we did do pork. We okay. made our own sauces, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, smoked lobster, smoked scallops, smoked quail, you know, stuff like that. Um, but that to me was uh, a time in my life when all of us apprentices would hang out with Ken Hess. Yeah. When he was practicing for competitions or hanging out, everybody had a couple days off or yeah. however it was, and he just got a bunch of briskets and was working on something new, and we'd all hang out and stay up all night and you know drinking beers and cooking briskets. Yeah. Uh, or he had a catering and we'd go down there and help them out, you know, spatchcocking a hundred chickens or doing whatever and just helping and learning and seeing. And so for me, why I wanted to do barbecue in Charlotte, North Carolina was ego. I felt there's no true barbecue shop in North Carolina. Okay. Or in Charlotte, sorry, not North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte. Uh, and I felt like that was my best avenue to be me and have fun and I could see myself doing it for the rest of my life. Nice. Nice. I love that. Okay. So then you're at Reed's, you start thinking about, yep. hey, I want to do, or, or have you thought about, you want, you want to do barbecue for a while? Like how, was it like I a, thought about it for a while. Everywhere I had gone, starting in even 20, or uh, 2008, when I went to Charlotte Country Club, um, small fact here, but they're not allowed to wear blue jeans okay. at the club. Okay. And I had a smoker built in West Virginia by a buddy of mine, a trailer smoker, uh -huh. and we did the first and only event. It was, what they call it? Barbecue blues and brews, but the blues was blue jeans. Nice. So they were allowed to wear blue jeans. That was the one event they've ever had. Nice. Um, and then when I went to Carmel, I had another trailer smoker built. Okay. Um, which I'm trying to buy both of those right now. Um, just so, to have. So whoever has those. <laughs> well, no, they're there. Oh, I gotcha, I'm trying to buy gotcha. them. Gotcha. Um, so everywhere I go, and then Reed's, um, I borrowed the one from Carmel one time to do like a rib event. And so you've always had a little like always. thing for barbecue. Mm -hmm. okay. Ever since the Greenbrier. Okay. Because the barbecue to me in Cleveland, Ohio growing up was hamburgers and hot dogs. Gotcha. But then I've spent more than half my life now in the South. Yeah. And I learned what a barbecue really is. Gotcha. gotcha. Does that make sense? So you were always kind of... Looking, my hands in. yeah, head head on a swivel, seeing if you could find a place, maybe, and you know, for sure, that's awesome. So you ended up picking this location, Belmont neighborhood. All right. So is it first restaurant that you started? Yes. Okay. Tell us about that experience. What was it like opening your first store? You know, I, I love asking the question because there's so many learning curves, right? I mean, from because I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, people want, I think for the most part, not everybody, but people would like to own a business. I think, all right. Sure. But they just don't know how much there goes into design, plates, uh, permits, construction, remodel. I mean, there's like, you know, it's it's a it's a huge learning curve. Oh, my first. <laughs> so all right. So in the real estate side of it, I had a good buddy, Charles Thrift. Um, he does real estate here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and John Lambert. Um, little plug. Yep. Um, but they're buddies, and actually John owns my building and the building across the street. Okay. And in 2018, 
they had just purchased them from the city. Okay. Uh, and none of the site work. There was no parking lot here. There was a house next door um, and across the street. Nothing had been developed. There were no windows in the place, no doors. It was all, you know, boarded up and everything. Okay. Yep. But when we came here uh, and we saw the plans for what they wanted to do with it, and we saw the neighborhood and the growth and all the projections and all that kind of stuff, um, it just made sense um, from a dollar perspective. You know, we're in a, a neighborhood and we know that the first five years is always gonna be a growing year. Sure. And always gonna be a, next year will be better, next year will be better, next year will be better. Yeah. Um, and we're already seeing that, That's which awesome. is great. Yeah. Um, but still, that's that five-year mark. Um, Which, I mean, that's something that everybody should take into account. If you like to start a business, the first five years, I mean, I'll tell you our experience, you know, um, starting, you know, the, the, the paper supply company, our first five years, and, uh, you know, I may have told you, we made no money. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, we may have made $500 a month, and I think I, we paid ourselves like eight out of the 12 months because... Anything the company was making, which paper margins are small, um, you know, was going back into the business to buy Every an extra time. four pallets of trash bags to get the cost down 28 cents per bag. So then I made better margin and profit on the next time that I sold you those trash. I mean, everything was going. Always. So we're working during the day and then working at night at my dad's restaurant to actually pay my bills because I was, you know, so um, yeah, it's just, you know, I. Business ownership is, is awesome, and you can make some money and be successful, and hopefully you make a lot of it. You know, I, I wish everybody the most success, but you better be prepared. I remember asking my dad this, Louis, uh, for a long time ago. I said, Dad, when was the first time that you guys started making some real money? You know, from you know they've had up to seven restaurants. Oh wow. We have four, three that we operate, one that we have some partners at, um, and he said, 10, 11 years. He's like, it, it, it. Everything was going, everything was going, every year we were updating, you know, the, the tables that we had at first weren't great, and then we got new, I mean, everything was Always. going back, it was just, we I, were just updating the business. I just refinished my tables last week. I mean, literally, yeah. And everything Personally. Was, yeah, so I, I get it, but what are some things that you learned? You know, maybe opening it up, and then maybe your first year. Well, for, let's see, I left Reed's in January of 18, and through my relationships, I went back to, um, Inland Seafood okay. and worked for them like, I don't know, five, six hours a day just to make a little bit of money while sure. I manage this project because they're right around the corner. Okay. Um, but part of why we got into here and we knew the five-year mark was just because of the real estate market in Charlotte. It's crazy. It is crazy. So hopefully in five years, I'm laughing at everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the idea. Okay, good. Um, I think the first rude awakening I had when we talk about the restaurant industry is they told me, and I'm just gonna, I can't remember the exact number, but like 65 days to build this out, start to finish. Cool. So I had it in my mind that this thing was gonna be done end of August, early September. Which, if you don't know, I mean, that's fast. Well, right? because what we did was I used the same, so they didn't start the site work and the landlord work, like the the windows and the uh, patio, all the concrete uh -huh. pouring and the and the whatever they did, we did it together. Gotcha. So I used the same contractor so that we were doing the work at the same time. Together, okay. okay to okay, go okay, faster. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? All right. But my first rude awakening was that 65 days is 65 business days. 
which is a term I'm not used to. Gotcha. So that it didn't include weekends and holidays. So I, 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 I didn't even I didn't even think about that either. Right. Like you said, 65, I'm like, okay, two months, we're, we're, yeah, up, we're yeah. open. Yeah, no, it's 65 Monday through Friday. So I had to recalculate everything so it was November before they were done. So a little longer than expected. That was my first rude awakening in, in, the, in the language of restaurant world and construction world. Interesting. Okay. I, I didn't even know that either. So. Well, it's my own, you know, yeah, I guess it made, it made sense when I heard it. Yeah. But it didn't make sense. You know, I didn't think okay. about it at the time. So that was my first rude awakening. All right. Um, everything after that, I mean, I've heard some nightmares. I've heard some, you know, we, I think we had a good shell. That was the problem. Okay. You know, that was the easiest part of it. We had, it's just a brick building, you know, that had nothing in it. So um, you we can make it bump. your own a little easier than faster if it was... Faster and easier. That makes sense. You know, we didn't, we didn't take over an existing restaurant that we then tried to move the hood or change the kitchen. Move and, petitions or add booths here. Or, no, gotcha. we didn't have to, you know, replumb anything. We had to lay down all fresh plumbing. Gotcha. So I think that goes faster. Okay. When you're renovating versus basically new. That makes sense. So it's, it's something to consider, you know, if, oh, if you sure. have you know, an existing business or you, you step into a, um, a location that would maybe was something previous versus not. Yeah, I mean, if I step into something anymore that's uh, previous, I always see if it'll work for me. Yeah. Because I'm not changing hoods, I'm not changing the location of bathrooms, I'm not, you know, there's some it's, people it's that go expensive. out there and do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they want to make the investment and, you know, make that five year, maybe seven year now, you know? Yeah. I just, doesn't make sense. To okay. Me. So anything else that you learned maybe from opening or that, that first year maybe? Uh, oh man, come on. Yeah, of course. Tell me, I wanna know. <laughs> what, 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 what'd you learn? Uh, what did I learn? Um, what man. are the hardships that maybe people are not gonna understand or get or you know what I mean? I mean, because you know, they, they see Lewis now. Yeah. Two and a half years later, and the neighborhood is thriving. Yes. And there's Plaza down the street, and Belmont now is is kind of popping mm -hmm. off, and you know, okay, you know, it's they see they see it now. Right. And they they see this nice box, and we got sauces, you know. But what was the beginning like before you had sauces and packaging, and like what was that, you know? Tell tell us well, about the beginning that. was. So I think every Charlotte restaurant tour kind of goes through the same thing. Everything new in Charlotte is great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we kind of touched on that the other day. You know, it's it's the, you know, the first 90 days. Awesome. Yeah. Great. You're getting tons of press, tons of free press. Booming. Of, yep. Everything's going well. Sales are through the roof. Everybody's crushing it. Yeah. Everybody's having a good time, making That's good a money. Good point. You know, it's a good environment to be in. Um, but then there comes that time where in Charlotte, you, you uh, constantly have to reinvent yourself. Uh, you constantly have to, you know, I, when I was at Charlotte Country Club, the one thing I learned there, because it is a membership, right? The saying was, what you did today isn't good enough tomorrow. It's good. I mean, it is, but me and my ego that I still have, I, I, I won't do that. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I tried that the first year. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a barbecue shop. That's it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You want Brunswick stew, boiled peanuts, chopped pork? I'm your guy. You want chicken fingers and fries? You want fried okra? You want uh, a salad with smoked salmon on it? Um, yeah. 
there's plenty of people that do that in town. I'm just not your guy. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think the what I liked about what's, you know, what what you did today is not good for tomorrow. You could take that and and apply it in certain areas, but you're you're talking about staying in your lane and getting good at like one thing. Correct. Instead of like jack of all trades. No, no. Let me be a master of this one thing. That's it. And be amazing at it. And people are, we are known for. That's it, X, X, Y, Z. I, I ask you this. Do you go to Brooks Sandwiches and get a fried chicken sandwich? I haven't been to Brooks, but. You're not gonna get a fried chicken okay. sandwich at Brooks. <laughs> Promise you that. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Like, gotcha. you know, the Joneses are the Joneses. That's fine, they can keep doing what they're doing. Sure. But Sweet Lou's Barbecue is barbecue. Your model is we are mastering this barbecue concept, right? That's it. We want to be here for generations. We don't want to be here, oh, they used to have a great fried chicken sandwich, or they used to have a great burger on the menu, or, you know, headlines. Sweet yeah. Lou's comes out with a new menu. That'll never happen. That's just not who I want to be. Sure. It, you know, it's... No, 100%. I like I that. I want to be 15 years from now, and we do have generations of families. We have, you know, uh, uh, somebody like our age that brings their parents, and somebody like our age that brings their kids, and, you know, that's what we want. Yeah, I love that. So tell us about the barbecue here. What I mean, about what, 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 what's your favorite dish? I don't know, Get, tell us a little bit about, or tell us about the sauces. Well, we don't use plates, so we don't have dishes. But. Which is music to my ears, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would love it. Yeah, we don't even have, uh, we don't have silverware and glass cleaner. Yeah, so no, dude. That'll be another conversation that we have, but anyway. Yeah. But, uh, tell us about the sauces or about, you know, you know, the, the barbecue, I mean, I don't know, tell us uh, about, um, you know, for somebody, for somebody that hasn't been here. So. You know, tell us about, you know, what, you know what, what's your menu, what do you have, what are some of the favorites? You know, you've been here two and a half years. Yeah. You're starting to see kind of, okay, this is moving. It's simple. Uh, we do everything very simply. We do things, if you look at our menu, it's kind of uh, pays homage to a couple of different regions of barbecue, if you will. Okay. Um, our, our pork, chopped pork, is which most people call barbecue yep. in North Carolina. Yes. Um, but barbecue is a cooking method, let's not be confused. Um, is just salt and pepper and it's skin on shoulders. Okay. Um, we smoke it, you know, 11 hours. Okay. Pull it, wrap it, hold it overnight, uh, hold, held hot. Um, and then, you know, we just pull it as we go throughout cool. the day off the shoulder. All right. Um, and then we take the skins and cut them up and fry them and toss them in barbecue spice and they're a nice little treat. Nice. Um, our brisket is more Texas style. So we do the nine to one, which is a Louis Mueller thing. Um, 9% coarse ground pepper to 1% salt. Okay. So it's pepper forward, 100% pepper forward. Okay. Strong pepper forward. All right. Um, you know, we cook those again, we cook them. So we'll go back there. I'll have to go back there in a minute anyway to check the fire. Okay. But um, I've got brisket and pork on for tomorrow. All right. Um, so we'll pull that, we'll wrap it, and hot hold it overnight. Our ribs are more of a Memphis-style rib. Okay. So they're that dry rub. We don't sauce any of our meats. Um, that's the first thing that people are just like. It's not just uh, pulled pork drowned in red sauce. <laughs> we don't do that. We, we care about the meats. We take pride in the fact that we cook the meats daily and we take pride in the fact that, you know, it's all smoke. Yeah. You should taste nothing but salt, pepper, and smoke. Um, and then and then you could put whatever sauces you want 
afterwards. Sauces right? are out here in the dining room. You can do whatever you want. You know the the first person that I I, I learned that from because I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, or I didn't I, I didn't maybe understand the concept behind that. I was over at Bang Bang Burgers. Mm-hmm. You know, Chef Joe over there. He's a client of ours, and he puts all the sauce on the side. He said he's because I asked him. I'm like, well, what do you eat? He's like, listen, just get a burger. I want you to t- taste it first. Just yeah. taste the food first, and then if you want any sauces, I'll have it on the side. You can put it on. And I was like, you know what? That's a great. Well, he uh, uses the, the uh, great Pat Con- out of New York. Yeah, I mean, that's he a, uses special burgers. I mean, he he wants you to taste the actual. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what? That's a great, philo- like great mindset. I I never even thought about that. I mean, for us, we you know. Um, that's what we do. Uh, we I don't like want. That. We don't want to mask the flavor. We don't want to mask the quality or, you know, the freshness of it too. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of that can. That's how things are done out there. You know that coming from the restaurants. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so our our ribs are more of a dry rub. Okay. Uh, again, we we spray throughout the cooking process, but we don't sauce them. Gotcha. Um, and then our chicken has a process to it with the sauce. Gotcha but it's not saucy, gotcha. if that makes sense. So sure. it's an Alabama style chicken where down there they use the white sauce. Okay. And- um, This right here, right? Yep. It's a heavy mayonnaise and vinegar and seasonings. Um, so what we do is we take our chickens, we season them with our rub, we smoke them 85, 90% of the way. Nice. And then we pull them, dip them in the sauce and put them back on. Love it, love it. So it kind of glazes it, gives it a little tenderness. So these are all your sauces? Those are our sauces. Tell us, tell us about the sauces. What's uh, what's happening here? Uh, so even though we are just barbecue and I'm just a guy that cooks meat with wood, yep. uh, I do have that chef background. So what we did when we developed the sauces was everything comes from here. So it's kind of like hollandaise. You've got hollandaise and then you got sauce chiron and you've got all the derivatives of the hollandaise, right? Sure. You got bernays, all that, right? So this is our mother sauce. And then we have a ratio of, for this sauce, of vinegar sauce to mustard to our rub. Okay. And then the same here. Nice. And here. To make, and you know, the rub. Let's go ahead and get the family in there. Yep. Right? So from this sauce and this rub, you get all three of the other sauces. Love it. Love it. And you sell this here at the, the restaurant? Yep. Love it. That's yep. awesome. So. Um, and that's kind of our nod to North Carolina, right? Everything's vinegar based. Gotcha. We don't have, we do some special sauces throughout the year. Like right now I do a peach sauce. Okay. Um, we do a sweet heat sauce with, you know, obviously Texas Pete, um, and it's a red sauce base, but again, it's all vinegar based sauce. Love it. So that's, that's more North Carolina mm-hmm. style, right? Yeah. So yeah, have you, you, I'm, I'm assuming you've tried some of the other Memphis and Texas and have you tried those barbecues? Yeah, of course. How, do you like them or did you prefer Carolina? Like, you know, what, I mean, compare. I, I haven't well, tried Well, no, I mean, I, I respect everybody's. Sure. Um, you but, know, I think, uh, I think. Is it, and now, is, is, is it different because of just the region or like just what they're accustomed to? Is there any like reason why they're so different? Oh, we could, you could go back for, I mean, you know, mustard sauce is a South Carolina thing because of German settlers. Okay. Right? So you could go, now Big Bob Gibson is credited with the originator of the white sauce okay. in Alabama. Um, I think the pork, uh, if you go back, now you look at North Carolina, half of it's tomato based, half of it's vinegar based. And it's just regional depending on where they're at. Gotcha. But if you dive into each sauce, there's reasons. There's, there's, there's actually, okay, cool, I didn't there's know that. There's definitely reasons why. Cool. Uh, just like Kansas City, everything's sweet. 
You know? Interesting. But if you go back in time, and I think, uh, actually, well, I don't, I can't say that for certain, but um, something with Kansas City and their sweet sauce. Gotcha. I mean, that's what they're known for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, awesome. and Texas doesn't, they use sauce, but they do more of red sauce. And actually, when I was there, I was very surprised at how much vinegar-based sauce there is. Out okay. There. So it, closer to North Carolina style than the other ones? Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Cool. They won't admit that, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Texas has you know their own their own style yeah, out they there. Want it, they you know? want to admit that. <laughs> cool. Uh, any last thoughts, Lewis? Anything about you know the restaurant, Sweet Lou's? I mean, uh, anything business ownership, entrepreneurship? Any suggestions or thoughts to anybody that wants to start a business out there? You know, talk to somebody before you do it. So do talk do, to many people. Do your homework. Do your research. Know what you're getting into. It's a great. It's, I mean, it's you know. I, I've had you know many friends in the city and other cities that own restaurants and you know you always hear them you always hear them but um, really think about what you're getting yourself into. It's a really good piece of advice. I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's an easy one. It sounds simple, but you know you really really do your homework, really do your research. I mean, you go from opening a restaurant with what does it really take? You got branding, you got websites, you've got marketing, you've got all these. Uh, Costs that you don't. That's outside understand. outside of ju of just the kitchen. Correct. I mean, so just because you're making a good pie, doesn't mean you may have a, a successful pie company. Correct. So you there's know, there's. Are there people that cook better at barbecue than me that don't own restaurants? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there are, but they don't own restaurants because it's hard to translate what you're doing at home or what you've done for your family or your friends just because you make the best pie. Yeah at Thanksgiving doesn't mean it's going to become a business. That's true. That's a really good, I, mean, I love that. So um, this is great. This is great. If, uh, if you guys have not been to Sweet Lou's, you got to stop by. Come on by. Right? I mean, they got everything, you know, brisket, chicken. Brisket, chicken, pork, ribs. Pork, ribs, the, 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 the full nine. They have all the sauces. And so I love this. I love this. Uh, come by. They can, they can find you guys. Online. Online, Sweet Instagram. Uh, online, Instagram, Facebook. We don't do Twitter, but what's maybe the, one What's day. the handle? What's your handle? Uh, Sweet Lou's BBQ. Sweet Lou's BBQ. Come find these guys. Um, Lewis, I love this, man. I love this. Congratulations on, on uh, your two and a half years in business. I wish you nothing but a hundred more years of this. Um, Appreciate you know, it. I, I feel like me and you could, you know, we should. We could go should, pretty deep. Yeah, we, we should get some ribs one day and just, just talk more. But uh, that's for another time. Episode 11, Sweet Lou. Love this, man. I appreciate it so much. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.